You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Gather round, students, and welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. I am one of your many professors for today, Dr. Rabble Rouser. With me, of course, as always, is Dr. Danny Phantom, but we have three guest professors from very prestigious institutions and i am thrilled that they're going to be here to help you study for your midterm exam they are in order the great john owning an editor at pro football focus and the smartest an analyst of offensive and defensive line play that i know um such such a such a, a, a just a, a great great uh you know stylist and and so good at breaking breaking down film john welcome Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And someone who's uh, rapidly ascending to the on the Mina Kimes trajectory, the great Jess Navarez, who is uh, both working at, at Blogging the Boys and also at the Mothership. Jess, I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. That is so nice. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, my heart. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you here. And last but not least, the great Kyle Yeomans. The dulcet, dulcet pipes of Kyle Yeomans, uh, obviously uh, a fixture at the mothership at uh, DallasCowboys.com and also the Al Michaels of high school football. How are you, sir? Ooh, Al Michaels trajectory. I like that as a combination. <laughs> I, I'll take that. And, and the dulcet tones, a lot of people probably just think I'm annoying. So I'm glad you at least think the, 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 that it's okay. And I will also say um, – that since you've arrived on the scene, uh, for my money anyway, at, at DallasCowboys.com, you're the glue that holds together whatever, um, whatever podcast you're in. I, I think every, every good podcast needs that guy, and you're that guy. It makes everything better. Well, I appreciate that. That's, that's kind words, and it, it means even more coming from you. So, you know, it is great to have all you guys here. And um, so one of the reasons we wanted to have such a great collection of minds uh, for this show is because we want to just kind of run through and and just kind of like get a little checkpoint, a little progress of of how this 2022 Cowboys team is looking. So we have a, a few things lined up today. Um, the first thing I wanted to do is we're going to do a midterm progress report. So what we're going to do is each of the panelists is going to nominate one player that we're going to put on the Dean's list for outstanding performance. And then we're also going to nominate one player uh, that's going to be on athletic probation, somebody who we can identify uh, who needs improvement. 
And if there's anyone else that we want to just give an honorable mention to that didn't make this list, we can throw them out there too. So I wanted to start things off, and we're going to kick things off with John, and I want him to give us, put his first player on the honor roll. Well, I mean, this isn't easy. Being first here, I mean, there's no one else to put on first besides Micah Parsons. I think his impact as, as a pass rusher has been one of the tent poles of the Cowboys' successful start. I mean, his ability to not only generate pressure, but to also alter offensive blocking schemes, his ability to draw attention has made life easier on the rest of the Cowboys. His, uh, his hustle has been something that's been infectious, something that has, I think, been his impact has really been incredible just for the first half of the season and I think that's the reason why I think he's almost a unanimous consensus defensive player of the year throughout the year so if my first nomination is obviously the best player on the Cowboys Michael Parsons yeah I think that is pretty pretty easy I'm wondering too I I mean I totally agree that it's it's his award to lose really and each week he's just kind of making it tougher and tougher for anyone else to have a chance. So, yeah, I mean, it's really nice that we have that special player like Micah for sure. So, Jess, who is going to make the Dean's List for you? Okay, well, since John took the obvious answer, I have a question for the professors. Can I have the same answer or does it have to be different every time? <laughs> We're going to make you pick somebody different because we want to give okay. some share, spread the love around. Okay. All right. So my Dean's List player is going to be a little bit cliche here. I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. And although he hasn't played the entirety of the season, that didn't stop him from being a locker room leader the entire time he was sitting on uh, the sidelines. He wasn't even sitting. I shouldn't even say that. He was helping. He was in the headset and, um, you know, he was even handing water bottles at practice for uh, his teammates. And so I think he's just such an impact player, whether it be on the field or off. I think uh, the Bears game was really setting the standard for what Dak Prescott has to give uh, as the starting quarterback. So I'm going to give it to Dak because, of course, every team needs a leader. And without that leader, what do you have? So I'm giving mine to Dak Prescott. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been of the belief that, you know, as Dak goes, the Cowboys go. And I don't really think it's changed, even though that, you know, we, we're a more, you know, defensive type of a team now. But I really think it's it's still going to fall on the, the arm of Prescott, too. And he's it was so nice. And, you know, Raps and I have talked about this in the previous show. It was nice to just, you know, to see, you know, Dak, you know, coming out. We're seeing glimpses of what he's capable of. So, for sure, it's just, I mean, it's, isn't it nice to actually, we have Micah Parsons on this team. We have Dak Prescott on this team. I mean, this is a really good time. So, I mean, I hope Cowboy fans are savoring that because, you know, those are two special players. So, now that we got two special players out of the way, Kyle, we're going to have to dig a little deeper here. So, who, who are you going to pick to make the honor roll? You know, it's it's funny because I don't I don't feel like I have to go that deep at all, at least to get this name out of the bush, because he's been one of the guys that at least has continued uh, his consistency, but also has started to emerge as a real weapon uh, for this Cowboys team. And it's Tony Pollard. I mean, he's already had two games this season of over 100 yards rushing. You talk about some of the longest plays, I think five of the six longest plays from scrimmage this season for the Cowboys offense has been Tony Pollard. 
Pollard, and he's been consistent uh, throughout the season. Really, the only two times he hasn't played well were in the opener against Tampa Bay uh, and then against Washington in a game where uh, it really felt like he was uh, just an afterthought at that point just because of the way that they ran the ball efficiently uh, against that commander's front. But I think you talk about a guy who just continues to beg for more of an opportunity and more of a role. Give me Tony Pollard as as a Dean's List guy and somebody that has exceeded expectations for those that uh, maybe didn't see him coming and for those that expected him to come. Well, here he is going for 131 and three touchdowns last week against Chicago. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's very interesting. And I know there's a big debate about where the touches should go. And, um, you know, there's a lot that's, I mean, that's a conversation that can take, take hours. But definitely, we, I think Cowboy fans are just really excited to be able to see Pollard getting more touches. And uh, I, I wonder what it means, you know, coming for the front, you know, the last half. I mean, are, is it, are we going to see, you know, the kind of a shift in, in, in the workload? And I mean, you can just see the explosiveness of, of this guy. And um, I just feel like, you got to give them those opportunities. And so for sure, great choice. I actually thought I was going to be able to sneak that one through, but no, he did not make it. <laughs> so great choice, Kyle. Rabs, who are you putting on the honor roll? Uh, I'm actually on uh, right now. I'm having an internal debate about two guys who were drafted in 2014. Um, so mm. I, in the first two rounds of 2014. So I'm, I'm right, right here sort of weighing out uh, Zach Martin and Demarcus Lawrence. And um I'm actually going to go with Zach Martin. Uh, I think he's the best offensive player on this team and has been more or less since the day he was drafted. And maybe, maybe not the first year or two when Tyron Smith was still, you know, a little bit more Tyron Smith, but certainly the last several years, he's been the best guy. And I think this year, particularly so they have a young offensive line. Um, you know, th- there's not a lot of, not a lot of continuity. Uh, he's seen a lot of turnover from the days when he started, but uh, he's been the anchor there. And I think that, um, you know, it's really been, he's sort of been the front man for a band of studio musicians and um but they've been rocking and so uh you know even though cooper rush has played the majority of the games they've they've been steady in the run game which is really hard to do when people aren't um aren't respecting the pass especially the sort of like uh you know deep and um you know intermediate passes and so uh sorry sorry d law you've been incredible this year but i gotta go with the guy who until micah parsons emerged late last, last year was the best player in the cowboys yeah, well, you know what? It's physic- it's not going to matter, Rabs, because you know he's still going to make the list. Because, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Demarcus. See how Clark. I set that up? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What well, they they were both going to make it either way, regardless of which direction you went there. But um, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is and he. I mean, he's one of those guys that it's it's not always easy to see what he does because statistically he doesn't always light it up. But man, if you are watching the film, I mean, he is so disruptive. I mean, it is it is fun to watch him. Honestly, too, and I'll just be honest, he was my number two on the list after Micah. And I just think that, I mean, Tank is just, he, you know, he's just so difficult to deal with. And it just kind of changes how opposing teams have to try to, con- you know, come at the Cowboys. You know, we got Micah here and, and Tank there. And, and it's just, I mean, those guys are just, they just wreak havoc, those two. And so, um, for sure, uh, Lawrence uh, definitely belongs on the honor roll for me but before we skip down to you know talk about some of the players who may need to improve a little bit i wanted to ask any of you you guys could just chime in like i don't want to leave anybody off Uh, so i mean is there a player who you think uh deserves like an honorable mention someone who's really had a a strong year that we definitely should be talking about noah brown noah brown because who 
expected Noah Brown to really step up and not only put himself in the wide receiver one conversation, but just be such a clutch player in this offense. I think Noah Brown deserves his flowers all day, every day. And so I'm really excited to see a healthy Noah Brown after the bye week. So Noah Brown is my honorable mention. I think the other one that you have to give is Trayvon Diggs. I think that he may not have as many interceptions as he had last year, but I think by all accounts, he's playing even better. He's doing tighter coverage. You consistently hear about the coaching staff and him talking about how his eye discipline's better. He's not taking the cheese, falling for those double moves, falling for those, uh, falling for those, those play action run fakes he's doing a much better job with his discipline on a snap in snap out basis he's still has the high end plays where he's getting his hands on the ball but he's taking away a lot of those big no-no plays that he had last year so I think that he's continuing to ascend into being in a in that top five the top 10 cornerback range in the NFL and I think to not have him on this list would be a crime no I think you're you're, you're spot on, John, because, I mean, up until that point, we had had four offensive names and two defensive names. And, and which unit has been superior? It's absolutely been the defense. So I'll add another defensive name in there, too, and I'll say Dorrance Armstrong because it may not be the recency bias. He's, he's, it's kind of been a couple of weeks since he's really made an impact. But he's had five sacks this season. He's he's really disruptive. He probably could be a little bit better and, and run contain on the outside. And there's things that he certainly has to fix. But as a pass rusher, uh, gives Dorrance Armstrong some love. He's been a big part of how this front seven has been dominant throughout the season. And let's not forget, he's an elite special teams contributor. Sure. You you know, he plays, all, plays in all the units. He makes, and he makes big plays in special teams. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. These are just fabulous choices, too. I mean, I want to go – I want to make sure listeners – John Oning says that Trayvon Diggs, top five caliber cornerback. So I just want to make sure that you know, <laughs> you know the, where that's coming from. For pro, sure. pro football focuses John Oning gives praise to Trayvon Diggs. I can see the headlines now starting to build along the way. Hey, they're going to cut my bonus. Stop. <laughs> Not the bonus. No. How are you going to get Christmas presents for all of us, John, if they cut your bonus? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Another honorable men- mention that I think you meant you going off of you saying special teams impact is Kevante Turpin. I yep. think he's been a fantastic Aaron. return man, arguably the best return man in the NFL for both punt and kick. And I think we're only a mere matter of games away before he takes one back all the way to the Teddy land. Can we can we also do special teams with one of the more automatic kickers in the NFL at this point in time? I mean, it, it that may be a little bit of a stretch for like a top 10 player on your team, but you can talk about performance wise. He's been as con, as consistent and automatic as anybody that you've seen on the ball club. If you, if you sort of uh, like squint your eyes a little bit, so you can't see the number, he looks an awful lot like Dan Bailey these days. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, he's I mean, he literally, he's, he's, he's become split him part two. He's got, he's got a bigger leg than, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> consistently, he's consistently down the middle. I mean, it, there's a lot of Dan Bailey in his game these days. He's a very consistent player. I think that's a great call. And you look at even those early games, it was because of Brett Maher that the Cowboys were even winning those games. Mm-hmm. I mean, his leg has come in clutch. So thank you, Brett Maher's leg. We appreciate it. I you. can't believe what's being said on the show, Raz. So we got Jess saying, 
Thank you, Brett Maher. I mean, this is just crazy. I mean, I've never said anything bad about Brett Maher it's ever. The first half of the first segment, we're off life. the rails, Dan. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> so I want to give some love too to one of my favorite people on this football team, and uh, that is our right tackle, Terrence Steele. You know, of course, there was a big debate with the you know Lyle Collins thing with did the Cowboys make the right decision or not? And I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that they did. Um, and I, I will say this too, as much as I, I've loved Steele, you know, starting last year, really, um, I, I think he's improved and he, he's even better. And you can just see, you know, he, he, he gets off the, gets off the snap really quick. He beats people to the, to their spots. He's very good in, in the run game. I mean, this is, this is going to be a corner piece for the you know, Cowboys offensive line for years to come. So, uh, very excited about how he's played it. And honestly, the offensive line too, it's like, we're not hearing a whole lot of bad stuff. And, you know, it's a little bit of surprise if you think about without having LC and, and Tyron being hurt all year. So I want to make sure to give, give Terrence some love. Dude, look at this. We got lots of players on here. Do you, anybody else you guys want to throw on for, uh, you know, as an honorable mention? Got a good list here. Feel pretty good about it. Yeah, that's a. This is a good football team. So it's really nice to to populate uh, this list with so many names. But we're gonna take a turn the other direction, and we're gonna talk about some players that maybe not performed to you know what we expected. So now let's we're gonna make our athletic probation list uh, players that need improvement. So Jess, kick us off with a player that you think you'd like to see more of. All right, this is a little difficult because I know he's been battling injuries. So it's hard to pick a player when the team has been so productive. So I just want to start by saying that my player I'm going to give this to is Dalton Schultz. And there's two reasons for that. Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson. I think when you're on your franchise year, you got to step it up. And again, we know he's been battling injury. Do not fault him for that whatsoever. But when you have this tight end room looking as sharp and as young as this tight end room is looking, I mean, man, Dalton Schultz, if he wants his contract to uh, really come up again and, and be in his favor with the Cowboys, that is, he's going to need to step it up the second half of the season because, man, those two, what are they? What have they been calling themselves? Um, Fergushot. Well, there's another one. Uh, I'm used to Aisha calling them uh, Henny and Ferg. Freaking frack. Freaking frack. That's the one. When you have freaking frack playing like that, I think they dressed up as dumb and dumber even for Halloween. (laughs) Oh, is that Um, real? Did that really happen? I I think so. I think they did. Oh, so they were Gronk for Halloween. Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, man. Coming in hot with the insults. No, but I think ultimately that's hard for me to say Dalton Schultz as well because you see him more productive with Dak Prescott in in the pocket. So I think you're going to see Dalton Schultz. You're going to see a lot more of Dalton Schultz. Uh, He's just really become a clutch staple for Dak, especially in the past game. So I say Dalton Schultz for now, but it's very lightheartedly because, again, this team is great. It's very hard to pick a guy. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you said it, you worded it really well, too, because, I mean, Schultz does show up, too. And it's, you know, and he has been playing hurt, too. But those, I mean, who would have expected those three, you know, two rookie tight ends to come in and, and uh, be asked to do what they do and, and to play at that level, you know, so quickly. So for sure, that's, you know, that's a great sign for, for the Cowboys offense. So, Kyle, who are you going to put on the athletic probation? 
You know, it's funny because Jess makes a great point about Dalton Schultz on a franchise tag season. It, 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 there was kind of a, a little bit of a murmur around the, the NFL, around Cowboys Nation, that Dalton Schultz looked like he was replaceable. That was the word, as replaceable production-wise. And right now he's showing, sure, he's been uh, kind of a replaceable guy because guys like Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot have brought uh, their production into the fold. But one guy that you thought also was replaceable last year was Amari Cooper. You thought you had a number one on your wide receiving core. You thought you had a guy that was going to step up and take that next level, but you haven't had that yet. And that's CD lamb. I still have a ton of faith in CD lamb moving forward. I really do. I think he's going to step up continuously throughout his career. I think he's going to get better. He's still in his third year. I'm not giving up on CD Lamb, but I am going to put him on that that athletic probation because he's got to be better. He can't be this under 100-yard receiver consistently. He's got to show me he can play the way that he get, did against the Patriots last year. He can play like he did down the stretch in a couple games this year to win you football games in tight situations, in big situations, make the big catch, body up on guys, and be that 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 next level number one guy because he hasn't been that yet. He's still putting up numbers that are better than anybody on this receiving core, but he's beating Noah Brown and Jalen Tolbert and Kevante Turpin. He's not beating out Amari Cooper and DeAndre Hopkins and guys like that. CD, I still think you're going to be there one day, but you're not there yet, and it's been disappointing to this point in the season. Yeah, I think Cowboy fans would share that sentiment too. And, um, and there, you know, we did have big expectations for Lamb, you know, taking on that number one role too but i'm i'm very curious I, to me like if i were to give him a grade i would probably give him an i for incomplete just simply because of the <laughs> dak prescott factor like uh, yeah. what's it going to be like with you know with prescott and will we see the lamb we expect to see so i'm very excited about what the second part of the season will give us when it comes to number 88 but john who are you going to put on athletic probation you know those First two answers were really good and probably more apt, but, you know, sticking to my offense and defensive line uh, mantra, I'm going to say Neville Gallimore. He's someone coming to the year that everybody hoped would take a big step forward. and He'd become a real impact interior defender for the Cowboys, and he just hasn't been that. He's been kind of getting moved a lot, especially laterally on zone concepts in the run game. He's been not being able to stay attached to his gap really well, and he hasn't made an impact as a pass rusher, so... I think that's a reason why you saw you've seen him kind of tumble down the depth chart from a guy who was supposed to come in and be an impact starter to somebody who's become just a a mere cog in the rotation, you know, someone who's not making an impact on the games. He's just kind of occupying snaps at the moment. So hopefully over the second half of the year he'll he's someone who can kind of hit a new groove and kind of start getting going, but I just have not been impressed by his uh, impact thus far this year. John, just kind of, I'm curious to, to hear your thought press process on this. How much further along is Osa Digizua than Neville Gallimore in his development? Because those guys play kind of a similar role, but not really sometimes. I mean, they can be on the field at the same time, but Osa's made an impact far more often than Neville did. And you expected Neville to do that before Osa did. Mm-hmm. I think Osa is two, three, four steps ahead of him as a pass rusher. I mean, just the way he sets it up, his footwork, his hand technique, the way he integrates his hands and his feet, the not only the depth, but the breadth of his pass rep- rep- repertoire is much better than Neville Gallimore. I'd say as a run defender, 
they're much different. I think they're used a lot differently. Gallimore faces a lot more double teams and Osa is a lot lighter. So I think he gets moved a lot more when he does have to hold up against those double teams in the B gap. So I think that's a little bit different, but as pass rushers, Osa is meaningfully ahead of him, which is surprising given where they're coming out as even for me, as a guy who thought that Neville Gallimore is someone who on a snap by snap basis in college, he was a pretty effective pass rusher. He had a really nice spin move. He was able to be really violent with his hands, but he just, his timing and his feet, his pad level, he's just not there as a pass rusher. It's just, it's a very jumbled up mess. He has a lot of things that don't connect well together. So he's not able to set up blocks as well as someone like Osa Digizua is, who kind of has the connectors to his, his moves all kind of play off each other a little bit better than Gallimore, who kind of just has like, he's like a boxer who throws one strike at a time. He'll throw a cross, he'll throw a hook, he'll throw a jab, He but Osa is someone who can throw in combination a lot better, and that allows him to be a lot more effective on a snap-by-snap like basis. And I can I'm going to use that, John. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, you. No I'm, problem. I'm totally going to use that boxing analogy on something, and then I'll tag you in it. I appreciate it. <laughs> what do you got, Dan? So, first off, I wanted to just comment, too, that Neville was, was number one on my list, too, and I, you know, I think we, you know, he's expected to be the starter there, and I want to say a couple things with this. I, I feel like part of this is attributed to just how great the Cowboys defensive line is in general that we're seeing like a, like how well Diggy has just you know turned into but I also think this is a little bit of a, a you know a transition of Quinn's guys and you can kind of see I mean we just released Tristan Hill so mm-hmm. um, the, I think that you know we're he he knows what he wants and those guys are you know and you can see more and more of them are the ones that he's putting in there for the Rets so I don't know if it's like if I'm really truly disappointed with Neville or if I'm just that's just a byproduct of just how fantastic you know these defensive linemen are. But so my my pick I'm actually this is another guy who deserves a, an incomplete too. But the one of the players I'm most surprised by or most disappointed by, and this is unfair to say too because he, he's a rookie, but it's it's wide receiver Jalen Tolbert. I really thought that he would be have a, a stronger role in the team and and like actually have a role in the team to, you know, to see him inactive in so many times, I, you know, I'm really surprised. I don't know what's going on. I know he doesn't play special teams. I know that his path to snaps is different, but it's, I'm just here for for us to be this far the season and for him to just basically be, you know, non-existent, I, I'm surprised with. So, so I'm going with Tolbert for my pick. Um, what about you, Rabs? Um, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking back to the 2021 draft when we were sort of like, what did they just do? You know, picking, um, you know, picking nation, nation, right. And, and then suddenly it feels like they made up for that when they picked Jabril Cox, like we sort of felt like, okay, yeah, if they switch those two picks, that draft makes a lot of sense. That's that's great value. And um, you know, last year, I think we were really excited about Jabril, Jabril Cox, especially in a, in a, a league that's, that's featuring a, you know, a lot of sort of passes, that are essentially, you know, short passes um, and, you know, uh, passes in the sort of, you know, uh, intermediate zones and, and an increasing need for, for linebackers who are elite pass defenders. We saw him make up ground. Uh, I think, I think he was the one, correct me if I'm wrong, who like closed quickly on Daniel Jones at the, the Giants game where they, they played yep. in Dallas and then, and then like actually knocked Jones out of the game and did a really nice job of, of, of closing ground. And, and I think we all saw, you know, we all had visions of him and Micah both, you know, being incredibly fast, incredibly dynamic linebackers. Yes, he got injured, um, but I, I sort of feel like we've sort of been holding our, our collective breath and anticipation, waiting for him to 
come back and be that kind of player and, um, you know, be a, be a sort of dynamic presence um, for a linebacker unit that is lacking that dynamic presence right now with, with uh, number 11 playing so much defensive end and moving around, moving around the formation so much. And he's never, he really hasn't done it. And it looks like he's actually been eclipsed by Damon Clark. And so and that's, that's a whole different story. That's a good thing. It's, it's, it seems like in many ways, that's a good thing. It's a great story anyway, but it still um, begs the question, what the heck's going on with Jabril Cox? And I, I, I didn't expect him to be a, you know, to, to sort of emerge as an all pro, but I expected him to be a significant contributor in, in a, in a, um, a Dan Quinn defense where he really relies heavily on role players and guys who can do a one or two things really well and sort of tap into that one or one or two things. And um, I haven't seen Jabril, Jabril Cox be taken advantage of in that way. And that's a little disappointing for me. Great answers, everyone. Um, I'd like to now move us to our next segment in our discussion here. We're going to play a game called Rotation Elimination. And the way this works is we're going to uh, offer a question, a burning question about what's been going on or what will be going on with the Cowboys. And then we're going to um, offer five options. And um, Dan and I will take turns introducing them. And the other four people will each eliminate one of the options. And so whatever one's left is the one that we as a, as a sort of group um, arrive at by uh, consensus as, as the, uh, as the option for that particular burning question. So uh, let me start with the first question here. And this one is about um, our dear Dak Prescott. In the last two games, we saw the return of Dak uh, we saw him rounding in a form in the fourth quarter of the Lions game, which was good for, for us to see. I think everybody enjoyed seeing that. And then we saw him take a couple big strides forward against Chicago. He was, you know, uh, they were nine of 11 on third down. He was, he was huge. He, uh, you know, a lot of really crisp passes, probably six or seven passes he made by my count that um, Cooper Rush is simply not capable of making. But I think it, that's a, a very small sample size and he was wretched against uh, Tampa Bay. So, you know, I think, here, here, as we sit at the midpoint, we have to ask ourselves, what's Dak Prescott going to be for the rest of this year? What's he going to be by the end of the year? So we've got five options, right? And I'm going to define each one with a word, um, and then we're going to eliminate them to, to kind of come up with, okay, who's Dak going to be? First one, explosion. So we're going to see early 2020 Dak throwing the rock all over the yard. If you remember that, that the Cowboys defense was wretched and Dak was, was fading back and then passing all, all the time. Lots of big plays, lots of negative plays. Uh, the second, expansion. We're going to see continued growth from Dak until the Cowboys passing game is one of the league's best. Or how about situation? In other words, we're going to stay more or less where we are. So we're going to see more of the same as the Cowboys defense and running game dictate that Dak can just be an efficient field general. Doesn't have to, doesn't have to play hero ball, or at least not, not often. Uh, or regression. The Bears game was as good as it gets for 2022 Dak, and we're going to see a little bit more we saw at the end of 2021. And then the last one, depression. Dak's body continues to fail him, as we've seen actually in the last of the, the end of both 2019, 20, and 21. Injuries once again hamper his late season play. Obviously, that was worse in, worse in 2020 than the other years, but I think a strong argument could be made that his body kind of wore down and he wasn't nearly as effective as a result as he tried to play through injury. So um, we're going to eliminate these one by one. Uh, we're going to each take turns eliminating them. So everyone will have an opportunity to make the final choice and everybody's going to have an opportunity to make uh, all the other intermediate choices. So for this one, uh, Kyle, you're first up, which one do you think is piffle? That's not going to, there's no way that's going to be, we're going to let's eliminate that one out of hand. Yeah. You know, it's kind of tough because I, I feel like you have to go with the least likely option here to get things started. And I, I feel like, 
depression where the the injuries could pop up later in the season and things could could happen I feel like that's more likely to happen than regression where Dak he hit his ceiling during the Bears game it's hard for me to believe that 250 yards and two touchdowns through the air and and one on the ground with an interception was the ceiling of Dak Prescott so I'm going to eliminate regression just because I do expect Dak to get better as the as the year goes along but I also don't necessarily think it's out of the question that he gets hurt. I mean, it's football. You're you're playing a physical game. Things happen. You could get hurt just as freak accident as it was in week one, whenever he broke his thumb and, and had the thumb fracture there. So uh, yeah, give me give me regression out the window. Let's let's take that one away. All right, let's get rid of regression. We'll insert the out the window sound effect. And uh, <laughs> next up is John's. We have got four left. Which one are you? Which one are you sending out the window alongside regression? The Cowboys fan in me wants to do depression. But honestly, I, I have I have no on no idea how if that's going to happen, if it's the likelihood of it happening. I'm not a doctor. I'm not someone who looks into that kind of <laughs> stuff. That's kind of the part of football I just don't pay attention to at all. You know, they they get injured, they go out, then they come back in, then I pay attention again. It's great. <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, expansion. I just think that the uh, Cowboys lack the weapons necessary to be among the most prolific passing offenses in the NFL. Plus, I think the way that defenses are defending the pass is better than it's been in any other recent year. And I think that's going to something that's going to that's going to kind of depress his ability to be to make up for what they lost for while Cooper Rush was in. So I'll go with that one next. I don't think they're they'll become one of the best pass offenses, even though I do think like everybody has said, I think Dak Prescott's going to continue to play better. The offense is going to be improved than it was while Cooper rushed there. I think it's going to be, I think obviously they're not going to be as good as they were against the bears, but I think they're going to be closer to that type of offense than the type of offenses they were through the first part of the uh, season with Russia quarterback. Nice. Nice. Okay. We're going to pass the baton to you now, Jess. I'm sorry to Danny, Uh, to you, Danny. Uh, We've got three left. We've got explosion situation. It's going to stay the same or Dak's body's going to start to fail him. And we're all going to be depressed. Yeah. I kind of had the same dilemma that Kyle was having between those two. And he picked the, the one that I would get rid of first. So I'm going to pick the other one. So I think depression is the one I like to eliminate. I think I agree with, with John, too. I mean, we don't know, like, if, if Dak gets hurt. I mean, we we don't know what could happen. But one of the things that worries worried me, I say worried in past tense now, is I just feel a little bit about Dak's mental state as far as, like, because he has been coming back from so many injuries recently. And I... You know, I worry about it getting in his head, and and I I feel less worried about that after seeing him just let it rip uh, on Sunday. So I'm going to eliminate that one because I, I think that, I mean, obviously a fluke injury could happen, but I'm not worried about him mentally kind of trying to rec- recuperate. So that part's gone for me. So I'm not I'm eliminating depression. Very John nice. and I. Jonathan, I made that so tough on Danny because we chose two and four. Could you imagine if Danny would have chosen three and then Jess had to eliminate either explosion or depression? Like, right? <laughs> smack down. I was waiting yeah. for it, honestly. One way or the other. So, <laughs> right. Danny, you did, you did right. yourself a favor on this show from just having the most bold statement regardless. Right. Like it would have been the opposite ends of the spectrum. So, Jess, you've got a little bit easier choice here. Uh, but you're, you, get, you have pride of place. You get to be the decider. Is it going to be that 
uh, we're going to see early 2020 DAC slinging it all over the all over the, the field, or we're going to see a lot more of the same because our defense and uh, and the running game and special teams are going to mean that he doesn't really have to play hero ball. Oh man, I'm so glad you picked depression, Dan. Like my heart was racing over here. I was <laughs> freaking out for a minute. Um, I was about to come in with a little dose of positivity, but dang, thank you so much for for eliminating that. But I am going to eliminate explosion. Um, I think that it is very situational with what Dak is able to do because we've only seen really two two weeks worth of regular season Dak Prescott, one being against Tampa Bay, and then, of course, against the Bears. So I think it's going to be very situational depending on, of course, how the Cowboys' defense continues to play. And I think the identity of this offense is the goal is to be the run game. I think uh, across the league, you look at offensively, that's the goal of most offenses is not to be so much of a passing team, but a run team. And so I think, you know, you continue with that mentality that even Jerry Jones said early on in training camp saying the identity of this team is going to be uh, held upon Zeke's shoulders. And, uh, you know, luckily you have that one-two punch with Zeke and Tony Pollard, but I think it's very situational. I think Dak is more than capable of handling the pass game when he needs to pass and especially as these wide receivers and even these tight ends get a little bit more gelled in with him in the pocket I think it's becoming situational but after what you saw from Tony Pollard I think that really shows hey give that guy a little bit more of a load uh you know and and really get that run going because I think with that one-two punch you don't have to rely on Dak so much to make those passes is he going to of course he is should he Yes, but also take some pressure off of him. Utilize your your running back core that has no reason to not be utilized. Both Zeke and Tony do different things for the offense like we've echoed and echoed for, for seasons now, right? But um, really lean on that and avoid injury as much as possible. Avoid anybody getting to Dak Prescott. And uh, yeah, I'm going situational here. Situation is the word. All right, Jess with the final word. Nice job, everybody. Danny, you got the next one for us? So now we're going to talk a little bit about the wide receiver position. You know, the Cowboys have eked out six wins with what some call an incomplete wide wide receiver group. Um, at the bye, however, we got Michael Gallup. He's back on the field. James Washington is coming back soon. And then Jalen Tolbert, well, he suited up, you know, against the Bears. Uh, so now we're going to talk about our assessment of the wide receiver group. And so these choices are as follows. First, we have number one, what are we worried about? They have rounded into a deep and effective group. The second one is this group need, needs a dynamic. Number three, they should have pulled the trigger on Brandon Cooks. The third one is who cares about depth? CeeDee Lamb has emerged as a top five wide receiver. The fourth one, wide receivers don't matter. This team thrives on 12 and 13 personnel. And then finally, the last one, they were one player away from the Super Bowl, and his name is Amari Cooper. So, John, if you could start us off and uh, knock out the one that you think is the most absurd. The funniest one is the fifth one, but I'm <laughs> such an Amari Cooper uh, truther that I can't bring myself to pick it. So I'm going to go with number three, who cares about depth? CeeDee Lamb has emerged as a top five receiver, I think kind of going off what Kyle said in the previous uh, with the uh, probation segment. He's just, I don't think there's a way that he could be a top five receiver this year. I mean, 
just look at the NFL. The, look at the what the top five receivers are. That's not saying a, like that's not a big downgrade on CD Lamb, but I don't think there's any way he's going to be up there with the Tyreek Hills, the Cooper Cups, you know, those type of impact receivers, the Justin Jeffersons, the Devontae Adams, those type of guys. He's just not that as refined as a route runner. He still has times where he's not threatening the receiver or the defensive back as much. He's not breaking the cushion. He's one thing that bothers me about his route running is sometimes I feel like he does too many shakes. He does too much movement. That's not gaining ground. I think when he focuses on gaining ground and really eating up the cushion between him and the cornerback is when he's at his best. That's why you see him do so well on those deep crosses from the slot and stuff like that. And those stair step crossers from the slot, all those things that he's picks up a lot of his explosive plays from, but to be a top five receiver, you have to be able to win everywhere. You have to be able to win in the slot out wide. You have to be able to win deep, short, intermediate. That's just what the top five receivers in the NFL are doing. And I don't think there's any way that CeeDee Lamb's going to become that guy this year. Okay. Rabs, what are you going to eliminate? Well, I'm going to be a force of chaos here. Uh, I think that I, because I want someone else to have to deal with the Amari Cooper question. So I'm not going to eliminate it now and let it linger there so we can build the tension. So I think the one I'm going to eliminate um, uh, in terms of our assessment of the wide receiver group by season's end will be number one. What were we worried about? They've rounded into a deep and effective group. Um, I actually think that there's, there's a lot of truth in, in all of these different, I, I can see actually all five of these playing out. Um, but I think that, the one that's probably least likely to is the, is the first one. And, and I, I think there's a reason for that. And, and part of the reason is they might not need to be, right? It might be that the, the, the way this team wins is by relying on other elements and that the wide receivers they have in house, um, you know, provided they stay healthy, et cetera, are going to be more than sufficient to accomplish what they want their wide receiver group to accomplish. I don't know that they need a deep and effective group in the same way that, you know, some people um, thought they, they were last year, even though there's the, the way they played and their statistics belied that. Um, I don't know if they need that to be, to be a, a good team. I'm not sure that they're even going for that, frankly. So I'm going to eliminate that one. So Rabble Rouser is living up to his name. So uh... get the pitchforks and torches and storm castle rabble, everybody. <laughs> Jess, which one of these are you going to eliminate? All right, people aren't going to need their pitchforks for you as much as they are me for this because I'm throwing Kyle a bone here. Kyle, you're so welcome. I'm eliminating. They were one one player away from the Super Bowl, and his name is Amari Cooper. Guys, we got to move on. We got to move on. We can't be living in the past. There's no room for any good in the present if you do that. But, you know, in all seriousness, there's nothing you can do about that now, right? I, I mean, when you have the mentality of this team is the next man up mentality and you give these younger guys a chance. It is what it is. Like I'm, I, I am so happy to see Amari Cooper be productive and have a great season, but it's just, it's not happening with the Cowboys and everybody. I'm so tired of hearing everybody. What if Amari Cooper, it didn't happen. So let's live in the present. Let's focus on what we have and let's just go from there because it's just silly at this point. I mean, to say that they were one player away from the Super Bowl, I think there were many things that contributed to, you know, the failed season that was last year. I, I think it wasn't, you know, one player away. I just, listen, I'm tired of talking about Amari Cooper because he's gone and it breaks my heart just as much as it breaks any other Cowboys fan's heart 
but y'all we got to move on. We got to, we got to push through together. We got to move on. It's time to, it's time to put it to bed. So there we go. Y'all can come at me, have your pitchforks ready, but I'm just, I'm trying to live in the present and in maybe the future to see what it holds with the Cowboys. That's it. Honestly, I, I couldn't agree more because I don't think they're one player away at all. I, I, even if it was Amari Cooper, it could be DeAndre Hopkins. It could be whoever. I don't think they're one player away at all. So I I'm glad you threw me a bone, but I, I don't know if I would even thought about that one. Anyways, I think two and four are absolutely uh, the ones I'm deciding between, but I'm going to, I'm going to choose to eliminate wide receivers. Don't matter. I think we've clearly seen this season that wide receivers absolutely matter. Plus, if I weren't going to choose that one, I could hear David Hellman in his DallasCowboys.com grave just getting after me because he loves wide receivers so much. And I do too. I love watching me some wide receivers. I think they do need another piece. And I, I really was excited about maybe the possibility of adding one of the more underrated wide receivers in the NFL into the group with Brandon Cook. If he was added to this group, who's not to say that he would be the 1B or the number two guy? I mean, I don't even know if he would be that number three uh, definitive guy on the roster because I think he could put up better numbers than Michael Gallup and maybe even better numbers than C.D. Lamb, depending on how his role kind of fit into this offense. I haven't, of course, heard much like anybody. I haven't heard exactly what the compensation would have taken to get Brandon Cooks here. I think that might change my mind a little bit on this one specifically. Let's say Dallas offered a two and they wanted a one or something of the sort uh, to get him there and to pay his $18 million guaranteed contract. If it's something like that, then maybe, maybe the Brandon Cooks thing wasn't meant to be. However, if there was a reasonable deal put on the table uh, and, and Houston was the one that basically was, was wanting to get it done and Dallas didn't necessarily want to give that up that's where my disappointment I think would lie uh, and I would really be upset because I do think this offense could be good I think the offensive line is playing better and better as the season goes along you certainly have a one-two punch in the backfield with Zeke and Pollard and then of course those wide receivers have been improving as well and now that Dalton Schultz has got a couple weeks to get healthy I could see a trio of Dalton Schultz Peyton Hendershot and and, and Jake Ferguson working into the fold Uh, however they don't have that just dynamic wide receiver outside of C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup certainly hasn't been dynamic either I think you need another guy in that group to make this offense really go yeah I think you made a lot of people I think that resonates with a lot of fans too who probably have that share that same sentiment for me you know, I, I'm kind of a front office apologist. You know, I defend them quite a bit. But I think the thing that that I'm curious about is, like, if we get a, if we had a player like Brandon Cooks, obviously we're a better team with Cooks. But how much better are we? Would it change how we – would we still run the way we do? Would we still use our tight ends the way we do? Sure. Um, and what does it – I mean, can we get that value out of – because we do have Gallup and, and Lamb. So where is the extra gain from a player like – like cooks, I mean, it will be better, but how much better? And then, then you just take into consideration what the Cowboys have to pay for, which is you know going to be you know cap money and um, and probably you know probably a second round pick at the very minimum. So um, that's where to me, I'm not I'm not disappointed by the Brandon Cooks thing. I, I think when you have Prescott playing the way that we know he he can play, I think they got everything they need. So that's that's just my feeling on that. But I know there are a lot of people who are, you know, they wish the Cowboys would have just, you know, pushed their chips in the middle and made this move to get them over the top. 
Indeed, indeed. Uh, next question is this. Um, we're going we're gonna to go to the other side of the ball and talk a little bit about the Cowboys defense now. So um, as everybody knows, the Cowboys defense was lights out earlier in the season, um, allowing but a single touchdown in games against the Giants, Commanders, Rams, and Lions, um, and even earning comparisons to some of the best Cowboys defenses from bygone years. Uh, we saw this a little bit different story against the Bears. And so I guess the question, you know, as we sit here at the uh, intermission is, what does that mean? So what is in store for the Cowboys defense in weeks 10 through 17? Five options, as always. Uh, first, they will get even better as their talented second and third year players continue to develop. Touchdowns will be increasingly hard to come by for opposing offenses. Uh, second one. Things will be about the same with a dominant defensive line and lots of opponents held to 17 or fewer points. Uh, next option, the offensive explosion resulting from Dak's return will lead to opponents necessarily opening up their playbook. So more yards, more points, and also more big defensive plays are the inevitable result. Uh, the next one, teams will game plan to stay out of obvious passing situations, thus reducing the impact of the Cowboys' fierce pass rush and reducing the defense's impact. And then last, the Bears offered the league a blueprint. Don't we love blueprint narratives? Teams are going to call run plays all day, and Dallas will be powerless to stop them. Uh, Danny, why don't you lead us off here? Let's, let's eliminate the most ridiculous of these possibilities. So I do not like blueprints. And, <laughs> and I want to just say, too, I kind of want to like um, give props to uh, Patrick Nosey Walker. And I think he said it best when, you know, when talking about how the the Bears ran all over the Cowboys. And I say ran in quotes because I, I don't feel like they were just completely beat down in that sense, like in the defense has been figured out. I think that was that game was more of a, a circumstance. And I think that if it was a different scenario, that we wouldn't have seen the same results. So to me, I'm not worried at all about that. I just think that, uh, you know, this, you know, I think their teams are going to have to pick their ways to try to, you know, beat the Cowboys. And a lot of it is trying to avoid Micah Parsons. But as far as what they did and, and the Cow I'm not worried at all. I think I th Hankins had a phenomenal debut or a really solid debut in, in his limited snaps. And I think you can definitely see the, the contrast with him, you know, in, you know, in the trenches. So to me, no, that, that's the one I'm getting rid of. That seems reasonable. Um, two two points to make. First is the great 2000, I think it was just the year 2000, Baltimore Ravens defense, many argue is the best defense of all time. Still gave up 30 points a couple of different times. It happens. And the second is that um, I think by season's end, we're going to look at, at the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields' body work and go, oh, yep, that game makes a lot of sense. Um, but I don't want to give away too much because, uh, Jess, you're up next. Which one are you going to eliminate? All right. I feel like the fans are going to hate me after this one. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to be realistic here because what the Cowboys defense did early on in the season with holding opponents to 17 points or less, that's just so unheard of. And, you know, as the year progresses, you know, injuries getting banged up and luckily this bye week will alleviate a lot of that it just became less and less sustainable, right? And uh, really, that's the goal, but there's a reason it was record-breaking and historic for this Cowboys defense to do it because it's very hard to do. So unfortunately, I'm going to say things are going to stay about the same. Dominant D-line and lots of opponents held to 17 or fewer points. I just think 
as you get into the momentum of the season, teams start to get better and you see less and less of that. I think once you're out of September football, obviously you're going to see less of that, but then you get into December football. Oh man, it is like night and day. So as much as I would love for that to be the case, and I hope they prove me wrong, I'm going to manifest that they're proving me wrong here. I just don't think it's realistic to say, um, you know, there's a reason it was historic and, you know, I, I don't see that happening realistically, but that doesn't mean maybe they will hold them to like 20 points. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that the defense is going to get all these points scored on them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying 17 points. That is very hard to do. And so uh, to keep that going, you know, let's just, let's see what happens, but I'm getting rid of that one. That's also a wise choice. I, I think that, you know, um, Dan and I have talked a lot about on, on the podcast about the fact that the way that the off season works right now, that um, September football is essentially the preseason, right? And so, so October is really when teams are starting to play. And so that's, you know, so the Cowboys defense and defenses are ahead of offenses. So the Cowboys defense was basically feasting on some, some teams that were still trying to figure things out because they didn't get a chance to really play together. And, in the preseason because the preseason is September now. And so um, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised at all to see, to see offenses catch up as, in the way you were talking about. Um, next up is Kyle. Kyle, which one are you going to eliminate? I'm going to make this pretty quick uh, because I, I really don't think the, it's not necessarily the defense that is affected by this question. It's the fact that you're expecting an offensive explosion with number three. I, I don't think the offensive explosion is going to happen. I, I really don't. I think they'll be decent, and I think they'll get better as the season goes along offensively, but I think it's highly unlikely that the offensive explosion changes the way your defense is able to, to put some points on the board. I know this probably makes things pretty tough on John, really. I, I think it's it's splitting the difference on, on what decision he's going to have to make, but the fact that an offensive explosion would have to happen first for number three to happen, I think it, it automatically makes it the the least likely out of the three that were remaining. Uh, so as, as Kyle just said, John, he's made it difficult for you. So we've got two options. They're going to get better as their young guys develop, or um, teams are going to game plan to stay out of those obvious passing situations, thus reducing the defensive lines ability to affect the game. I definitely think the one to uh, eliminate is the first one. They will get even better as their second and third uh, year players continue to develop and touchdowns will be increasingly hard to come by because you know, I'm a little bit dubious on the point of players improving a ton midseason just because of the wear and tear on their bodies and everything they have to go through. You know, you hear players talk about how, you know, their bodies get so beat up, it's even hard to maintain their strength levels. You hear that from offensive linemen all the time, how that's a very difficult process throughout the season, just based on the wear and tear week to week. So I'm think it's going to be extremely difficult for the second and third year players to play any better than they're already playing right now. So that leaves us with number four. And I think that's uh, probably a likely thing. I think every team would be smart to try to stay out of obvious passing situations because the Cowboys probably have the single best pass rush in the entire NFL. I think, especially when you talk about specifically edge rush, I don't think any any other defense can go five deep on the edge with guys who can legitimately win one-on-one -on -one matchups and generate pressure on the quarterback. So I think that any defense, any offense that, you know, that doesn't have a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen type person who can make plays outside of structure with as good of consistency as he can make plays within the structure, 
if you're planning on dropping back a lot of times, that's just the wrong game plan. So I think run heavy game plans are what we're going to consistently see. And I, I honestly think the Cowboys are going to do a lot better job because I think Dan Quinn is going to put more resources toward defending the run, knowing that he's going to see a lot more run than he has, than maybe he thought he was going to see coming into the season. John said, I'll take your tough decision and shove it. I've got the right answer with this Dallas defense. And he's going to put it out there for everybody to hear. That's right. It was the right decision all along, people. All right. So our next question, what we're going to do is we're going to actually eliminate some players here. So after three straight strong drafts, the Cowboys have an impressive core of very talented young players. You know, some of those players, CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Micah Parsons, Odigizua, Tyler Smith, perhaps even Sam Williams. They're already budding stars in this league. So my question for you is which drafty or undrafted free agent from the last two rookie classes is most likely to join them? And we're going to start eliminate players. And the players on this list are Deron Bland, Damone Clark, Jake Ferguson, Israel McQuamu, and Quentin Bohana. So those are the choices. So Kyle, start us off and eliminate the first player who will not be a budding star in this league i'm not gonna lie to you i'm super excited that i get to go first here because i like the four other guys i think the four other guys are going to be really tough to to check and i still think this guy may make it at some point i just think he's got too much competition around him let's go with israel mukwamu i I think he can make an impact he did see a little bit of playing time against chicago he's done some good things on special teams throughout his his career but in terms of of just finding and sticking to a position, and he was put in a tough spot too. I mean, switching from corner to safety uh, after playing a lot of corner in college and then playing a lot of safety kind of back and forth through his first couple of years. Uh, I, I really think he's got some tools. I just don't think he fits here. He'll play in the NFL somewhere at some point along the way, but I think it's more likely that the four other guys stick here in Dallas and become a, a, a good part of the core of the young talent that are around the, the guys that are already here. Yeah, I will say that's the first player I eliminated too. And even though I have been impressed with McQuamble for sure, I think the, sure. his step from you know year one to year two is there. But also two opportunities. If you look at you know the, the, who would figure the Cowboy safety group you know would be playing as well as they as they are. So that's I think that's another thing too. So, but John, which of these players are you going to eliminate? First of all, I got to say. Big disagree on Israel Mukwamu being the first one eliminated wow. here. He's out of a lot of these guys on the on the list. He's made the most plays this year. He's someone who's filled in when J. Ron Kirsch has been in and out of the lineup with his injuries. And I believe, again, I'm not a contract guy either, along with injuries. Don't pay attention to him much. But I believe J. Ron Kirsch is on like a really short contract. So I could see Israel Mukwamu graduating into that J. Ron Kirsch kind of role. He's the same type of size profile. He's the same caliber of athlete, kind of can play. He has a similar type of skill set. So he's someone who I can definitely see becoming a court. Would he be my first bet? No, but he's out of everybody on this list. He's, I mean, I, for me, the person to eliminate is Quentin Bohana because if Quentin Bohana had a chance to become part of this, they're not trading for Jonathan Hankins. You know, I think Quentin Bohana is a guy that he's shown flashes of a type of nose tackle that you want to be he's nimbler than you want to know he's lost some weight this year so you see a little bit more quickness to his game 
but I just don't see his ability to demand and occupy double teams as much as you want a guy that's going to weigh that's going to play nose and be 320 plus pounds. I think some of his issues have been a big reason why the linebackers have been blamed with for a lot of things. You got to think when when the way the defenses are constructed, it's all about angles. So when a linebacker is getting to their run fit, their primary gap that they're responsible for is there because it's a particular angle for them to get there, to beat whatever blocks they need to beat to get there on time and to do things. So when you're getting these nose tackles or defensive tackles displaced out of a gap. So now the linebackers have to alter to a different gap. They're getting there at a, they have now an inferior angle than they had at the beginning because they were aligning a way to to primarily fit a different gap. So now where they're fitting this this B gap, say, now they're fighting through blocks. Now the blocks are getting there a step before. Now, whereas they're attacking it at a 45-degree angle, now they're attacking it more at like an 80-degree angle. So they're not get, hitting it with the type of impact you need to stun the blocks. They're not being able to get to their gap. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of, I don't, I don't want to talk like condescending to casual fans, but the casuals would say that, oh, Leighton Vander, as you see, stuck, yeah. stuck to these blocks. It's because he was supposed to fit the A gap, but then you got Bohana get moved to the B gap. And now he has to, uh, he has to totally change what he was going to do in the mm-hmm. first place. And that just makes life exceedingly hard on a position where you're already in conflict between run and pass on every single play. It's extremely hard. So I would definitely eliminate Bohana as someone who's going to be a part of the impressive young core. Yeah, I don't know what Kyle was thinking, taking McQuamu first. And then... <laughs> well, here's here's the thing about these two guys, if I could add really quickly, is, I mean, there's a reason they're on this list. I mean, there's five guys on this list for a reason out of young draft picks or undrafted free agents that have made at least a, a little bit of an impression on Cowboys Nation to at least be on the list. I'm not saying Israel Mukwamu is an absolute bust. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be on the roster. I'm just saying out of these five guys, I think these guys have a better chance to be uh, a, a dude moving forward. But with Quentin Bohanna specifically, where have teams had the most success running a football? It hasn't been in the interior of an offensive line. It's been on the on the tackles. If they can get outside the tackles, that's where teams have had the majority of their success and the majority of their chunk yardage or you can maybe add in the fact that quarterbacks and scrambling with Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, guys like that, that have added to that total from once again, outside the tackles for the most part. I'm, I agree with you in the, in the fact, John, that I wouldn't have chose him in, in the top three of these guys specifically uh, because I do think Bland Clark and Ferguson will have better careers as a cowboy. Uh, but in terms of Bohana specifically being the last guy on this list, he gets pushed off the ball once every three snaps. He's not like he's 10 yards in the backfielder and he's, he's getting pushed backwards all the time. He is taking up space and he is trying to eat that space. So the guys around him, like you said, filling the A gap and the B gap and guys like that from a linebacking standpoint can get up the field and make a play. I don't think he's as bad as people have really been leading on to him uh, playing. And they added Jonathan Hankins. They were in the same formations on a couple of occasions last week. I think it's just another rotational guy that they can put in there. It's not because Bohan has been benched or because he's going to see less reps. I think it's because you get a bigger rotation of a big nose tackle that you can pair with the Gallimores and the Yosa Adigizuas moving forward as well. Yeah. You guys do a great job showing your work. And this is 
this is just great stuff for for cowboy fans and our listeners for sure um and i just realized how difficult of an assignment this is is you know similar to like the you know the honor roll it's like we just kept going and there's just so many good players it's really hard to like find flaws in in these guys and you know at the bottom of the of the guys starters and, and keep rotational players but we have to do it and uh rabs you got to go next yeah this is where it gets brutal um <clears throat> I will say, I will say just to just tag on to what John said that uh, we talked about last week about the, the Hankins acquisition. And one of the things I said is that um, we're going to see improved plays by improved play by the linebackers. And I, I think a lot, well, I think we'll actually also see improved play on, on the edges because they're not going to be so worried about collapsing in because they know that the, the, he's going to be stout there. Um, I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for and looking forward to. Uh, this is all a way to delay from having to make this choice because this choice is brutal, um, but I'm going to eliminate Jake Ferguson. Um, and I think it's in part because uh, I think the other guys are going to arrive sooner. I think that their um, that their time is now already. I mean, so you know, Deron Bland has been thrust in, into the um, into the starting lineup thanks to the um, uh, thanks to the injury uh, by Lewis uh, Lewis's injury, um, but also you know he, he was. You guys, you guys know this. I mean, you go, you go to camp every year, right? And, and you just like, there's some rookies that just sort of, they have it, right? You see it, you just see it at camp and they've, they've got this thing that they, they're playing with confidence. They're making plays that doesn't seem too big for them. And he stepped in immediately and, and seemed like he was one of those, one of those cats. And, um, and Damone Clark, you know, it's, it's, it's very clear that his trajectory is, is way accelerated, but they, they love him. We talked earlier about the fact that Jabril Cox isn't getting on the field and, and but Damone Clark certainly, certainly is. And I think he'll continue to, and, um, He's, he's, I mean, he's a terrifyingly good athlete. And so Jake Ferguson, I'm eliminating him, not because I think he's not going to be good, not because I, but, but because I think that he's somewhat athletically limited. And, and um, so the other guy's ceilings are higher. I'll put it that way. With Ferguson, I just, I'm so, I'm just surprised that he's where he's at so quickly. So, I mean, that, that's the part that makes me think that, you know, this guy end up couldn't, you know, could be, you know, of a player that could be the Cowboys future tight end. And um, so I'm a little surprised just how quickly he's, you know, acclimated himself and, and, and having a role that he has, you know, not to mention he's got a really fantastic end zone celebration. So, uh, but we got to, Jess, you got to make a decision here. I mean, Rab, he tried to slide his paper over to you a little bit to, you know, for you to look off of, but you got to make this choice. Who are you going to eliminate of these final two? Y'all just love making things difficult for me. I swear you do. But I'm actually really glad that you crossed out Jake Ferguson because if you listen to Girls Talk, Boys Talk, I have a saying on there that needs to be trademarked. And so uh, Deron Bland is anything but bland. I'm going to eliminate Damon Clark. And that's only because that's only because we haven't seen too much of him yet to really know, right? I mean, the guy's coming out of a spinal fusion surgery and, and of recovery from that. So we don't exactly know yet, right? I, I mean, his trajectory is great. I have no doubt in my mind he's going to be a beast. I mean, no, absolute no doubt in my mind. But Deron Bland, I mean, this guy, you're talking about a guy who knew he was playing, you know, an hour before and managed to step up and be such an impactful player um, during the season. I I just, and I think now you're going to see more of him, obviously, with, uh, you know, the Jordan Lewis injury. But, you know, you're going to see an impact. And I think that's so hard to come by an impact player like Deron Bland, who, again, I'm just going to say, he's anything but Bland, trademark it, 
I'm going with Deron Bland all day, every day. Um, I, I just think you can't teach somebody how to be coachable. And, you know, I think something so special about this locker room is they are so coachable and they're all so talented and they're all so bought into Dan Quinn and how Dan Quinn coaches them. I think, um, you know, Deron Bland having this opportunity to step up into that cornerback role uh, with Jordan Lewis being out is only going to make him better and, and only going to show how much more he has. So, I'm excited to see a little bit more of him. But that's, again, not to say that any of the rest of these guys aren't going to be amazing, that they're not going to be great. I don't want to get that misconstrued either. Yeah, I think you made a great choice. I mean, I, I've been, I, I think that, yeah, he's got the length. He's got the speed. I mean, he made that great touchdown-saving play on Sunday. So, I mean, we're just seeing the beginning of it, too. And I, I look forward to seeing what, uh, you know, having him in the secondary for, for a long time. But Rabs... Let's go off to our last question on this elimination rotation. All right. Well, this one's a, this one's a little bit of a challenging one. I, w- I want to talk about playoff seeding. So one of the things I've been thinking about here, now that we've had a little bit of a chance to, uh, to rest, is to kind of look forward and, and look at the standings in the NFC and, and, you know, so that the other teams are jockeying for placement in, the, in their respective divisions, et cetera. Um, so let's assume for sake of argument that the Cowboys and Eagles continue on their present course courses and that both make the playoffs, but that the Eagles win the NFC East. So the Cowboys are going to be fifth, sixth or seventh seed because they won't be a division winner. So there's some possible playoff trajectories then that they would, that they would uh, ha- have or some pathways. Let's, let's call them pathways. And what I'd like to hear from you is which pathway would you most like to see for the Cowboys? So there's a couple, I've got, I've offered you a couple of myriad, myriad possibilities. I've, I've selected a few of these out, a couple of them as a fifth seed, a couple of them as a sixth seed, and, and one of, of them as the seventh seed. So let's talk about the two for the fifth seed. So the first one would be, they play the, they're almost certainly as the fifth seed going to play the, the NFC South winner. So let's say they go to at, they go to Atlanta. Then they go to Minnesota. Then they have then they have to play at Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game. Other possibilities: the fifth seed they play at New Orleans. Then they play at Philadelphia, and let's say something weird happens, and then uh, they have to host the 49ers for the NFC Championship game. Our sixth seed options: they play at San Francisco, they go to Philadelphia, and then they go to Minnesota. That's assuming Minnesota somehow beats out Philadelphia for number one seed. And then uh, the other six seed option is uh, they play at Seattle, they play at Minnesota and at Philadelphia. And then as a seventh seed, let's imagine they might start uh, by playing at Minnesota. Then they have to take on the Eagles in Philly. And then let's say they beat the Eagles in Philly as a seventh seed. Then they'd probably have to travel to, let's say, San Francisco. So, um, John, uh, why don't you start us off? Which one of these is the most ridiculous or or the one that you'd, you'd least like to see? Um, and let, let's get rid of that one first. Well, I think the two that I would least like to see is the ones that have us facing the 49ers, Eagles, and Vikings all on the road. And it just comes down to whether you would want to face the Minnesota Vikings first or the 49ers first. So I'm just going to go with eliminating the seventh seed just because that would mean the second half of the season for the Cowboys is much less enjoyable. I mean, yeah. a lot more losses, and I'm not a fan <laughs> of losses. I like being happy, and I like my content-creating friends getting more clicks because I know we get more clicks when they win. Yes, sir. So I'm going to eliminate the seventh seed. I just think having to do a gauntlet of at Minnesota, at Philadelphia, at 49ers, specifically the last two, 
Personally, I'd be giddy to face Kirk Cousins in the playoffs, given the other options that could potentially be available. But facing the Eagles and 49ers, too, I think similar teams, and they have really, really good defenses, really dominant run games, uh, run games that are very, very diverse and schemed up well. Um, So I think those two teams are probably the two worst matchups, quote unquote, for the Cowboys in these playoff scenarios that you've put before us. So I will eliminate the Cowboys as the seventh seed. Awesome. Danny, which one are you getting rid of? Yeah, I 100% agree with John. In fact, I'm going to eliminate the other one that had those same combination of opponents. Um, so I'll take the sixth seed and uh, at Niners, at Eagles, at Minnesota. Um, I'm trying, when I was looking at between the between the two scenarios we just talked about, I tried to figure out if I'd rather face San Francisco first or if I'd like to see an NFC championship, you know, back in, you know, against the Niners. That, you know, that kind of brings back, you know, fun memories. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. So, But definitely, I think those are the, the first two that need to go. So uh, that's my choice. Get rid of that one. Great. Awesome. Jess, which one are you getting rid of? Look, y'all made this so easy for me. I love this. I'm going to get rid of the Cowboys six seed at Seattle, at Minnesota, at Philadelphia. Look, guys, as Cowboys fans, it's been very hard to absorb how Philly has looked this season. Um, I, I wasn't surprised by any means, but... I just, man, to have to face them in a championship game, no, 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 let's not. Let's not even manifest that. Let's not even dream of that. We're not even speaking about that. That's just, ew, that's not in my wheelhouse. But, um, you know, I think Minnesota also, again, we're, we haven't seen them play Minnesota this season yet, but they are definitely a contender. I think Minnesota is not anybody for any of the NFC to to be uh, sleeping on, if you will. But I'm going to get rid of that one. Uh, Kyle, I'm so sorry. I'm so Kyle, sorry she, I did that to you. Kyle, she no, set it up nicely for you. So we've already talked about how the two, the two least tasty options would be to play both uh, Philadelphia and San Francisco because um, because those are not great matchups for the Cowboys. You know, they always say styles make fights and those are not good. Those are not necessarily good stylistically. And the other is, of course, the NFC Championship game at Philadelphia with those crazy deranged trolls of, uh, of a fan base. And guess what? Both the options on the table include one of those two least tasty possibilities. So uh, the lesser of two evils is <laughs> yeah. Which one are you I, getting I, rid of? It's funny because John was talking about being happy. Uh, Jess was talking about the, the stress level of having a Philadelphia game and cha- championship game winner goes to the Super Bowl. I don't want that to happen either. Plus out of all five options, all five options, there's only one where the Cowboys could host the game. So let me eliminate number one on this list at Atlanta, at Minnesota, at Philadelphia. Give me the home game at some point along the way, whatever. We make it there. We get there. Sure, you're going to have to play on the road at the Superdome at New Orleans. That's not an easy place to play. But give me that game and then at Philadelphia. And then if you get a chance to host the game at at home, let me go ahead and take it. Make it happen. I'm not sure. These are both tough options. I mean, it's going to be tough either way, whether you play at Philadelphia or at Minnesota. Let's get out of the way. Let's get it out of the way and play Philadelphia in the second round. Let's whoop their ass, and then let's get to the playing the 49ers. Yeah, one of, one of the reasons I really like that choice, too, is we get a chance to bounce Philly in their first playoff game. So they, they would be getting the bye, and then sure. so, you know, and then it'd be one and done. And wouldn't that be something? And then turn around. And you know what would be so perfect? And 
hear me out. Hear me out. Philly goes undefeated. And I know what that means. You're saying two <laughs> losses, two, two well, losses well, to this team in I'm one out. season. Hear me out. Can we mute but then, you, <laughs> but then you beat them in the playoffs and they had an undefeated season. Oh my gosh. I, I would go haywire on Twitter with all my receipts to all the Philly fans. I have screenshots. I'm just ready to send out here. I'm just saying, if that were to happen, how devastating for those Philly fans. They got so hyped up and you know how annoying they would be at that point. But, oh man, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not manifesting that. I'm not wishing that were to happen. But anything to devastate those Philly fans, you know I'm all for it. Hey, I live in Philadelphia. I know all about it. And I, and I, I would like nothing better than for that to happen. And so everyone, everyone to walk around all sad on the street for a couple months. That'd be fantastic. It would be the most epic troll in the nation that uh, blogging the boys would ever publish. Uh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Final question, guys. So actually, you guys have the questions because each of you have been given a homework assignment to come up with one burning question that has been stewing with you all year and you want answers. So I want you guys to offer up these questions and the rest of us will just be a free for all in trying to answer the questions the best that we can. So Jess, we're gonna start with you. What is your burning question? I think my burning question is how impactful is James Washington going to be to the wide receiver core? Um, is it going to be much of an impact? Is it going to be a little bit of an impact or is it gonna be you know, not so much and, and with that, I guess it's a double-sided question here, is how much are they actually going to integrate him into the play calling once he is healthy? That's my burning question. I'm just losing sleep over it, just dying to know. Anybody want to have any thoughts uh, on that? Yeah, I kind of want to piggyback on that because one of the things I'm wondering is what, what was the signing, what was the intention behind the signing in the first place? So did they actually think that he was going to be the number three? Did they think he was going to be a, a steady con contributor? Did they, did they bring him in as a sort of like veteran insurance against not being able to find a receiver in the first two days of the draft? And they just haven't been able to jettison him yet, A, because Jalen Tolbert hasn't emerged, and B, because he's been injured. Um, so I think for me, part of that question, Jess, is what's the plan for him? And I, and I don't think we have any idea because he's, he's never, like, we, he was on, what, maybe the first week of camp? Maybe not even that first couple of days of camp and we haven't seen him since then. So we haven't seen how they've integrated him into any of the formations, any of the schemes and into the, into any of the rotations. It's, it's such a, it's such a great open question. I don't know. Uh, Kyle, John, you guys have any, or I guess the question can be, how do you hope? Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to phrase it. Well, I mean, kind of going back to what you're talking about, it's, it's not going to be a perfect answer immediately. And, and if you're expecting James Washington to come in and, and light the world on fire, I think those expectations are a little bit too high. Uh, I, I think he can make an impact. I think he comes in and he adds another option for some weaponry on the outside. But for the most part, it's going to take some time to be integrated into the playbook. He's going to take some time to, to really get back up to speed and, and be fully healthy for him to make an impact. But he doesn't necessarily do anything completely off the radar different than what the guys you have already do. He's a possession guy. He's going to catch a lot of balls. He's not going to take the top off, or at least he's not expected to. Uh, that's that's what's kind of uh, tempering my expectations, is I think even whenever he comes back, he's still going to be relatively 
relatively slow getting back into the mix to where it might not be until week 11 or 12 that we really see him get into and and make a, a legitimate production total for this Cowboys offense to, to be proud of. Do you guys think he's the number three when he comes back? I think that's Noah Brown. To, I think Noah Brown's play if yeah. Noah Brown's healthy. I agree. So I guess that, so. Then my question is: so he's he's the four, and doesn't the four have to play special teams? Yeah, I so think this so. is I mean, this this is why the question is so fascinating, right? Like because does his skill set even translate to a place where he can get snaps on game day? But that without them going long at receiver. Yeah, I think that's kind of where that's kind of where I have him. I mean. Is he going to play a ton of special teams? Probably not, but he may have to in order to get special teams. I mean, get mm-hmm. wide receiving snaps. Mm-hmm. That's that's my biggest thing is I think there's a chance he's a little bit underwhelming whenever he comes back into the fold and, and really gets back to being healthy. Now, let me ask you one more. Let me, I'm sorry, Jess, I'm totally like running with this question. It's totally your question, but you've got my mind whirring. And I guess the next thing I want to ask is, do you guys, would you guys be surprised if once he's fully healthy, they just cut him? No. Or, I mean, I would be surprised. I would, would be, be shocked. I don't think that's a possibility. I think they keep him rolling. And I think a lot of it too, is he does play that veteran wide receiver, big brother role in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I think that goes very unspoken about, um, but that is something to be said because I think he does work with a lot of those younger wide receivers. And so to be determined on all of this, it's uh, I knew it'd be a little bit of a, a mix up question, but thought I'd ask. It. Yeah. I know we're all excited to find out what the answer is going to be. So mm-hmm. Kyle, what is your burning question? Mine is, and it goes back to kind of what John was talking about earlier is how, how much better could Jonathan Hankins make this interior of the defensive line? Uh, where, where could he continue to make improvements up front? Is he going to see more snaps? Is he going to continue right around the, the same amount of workload that he's had already? Or can he make the, the guys at the second level, the Anthony Bars and the Leighton Van Der Esch and now Damone Clark, Jabril Cox, whoever's back there, is he going to make them significantly better as they go along. So those are my, that's my burning question. That's the one move they made at the trade deadline isn't enough to, to make an impact moving forward. I think he is going to help improve the interior run run defense. Now there's only so much that one nose tackle could do. And as good as Hankins is, he's not someone who's an elite nose tackle. You know, I would call him an above average nose tackle, but I think an above average nose tackle, given what they had previously is somebody that can make a notable impact. I think it's going to make life easier on the linebackers because he's going to occupy those double teams, maybe in a step or two longer than someone like Quentin Bohana could. I think that'll make their life easier. He'll stay in his gap a little bit better. He'll stay stronger at the point of attack a little bit better. And those things will help. And another thing I think when you, now I'm not around the team as much as you guys are. So you guys would probably know better, know better, be able to talk to people that would know better, but one thing I noticed from the uh, from not the sounds of the sideline from the uh, interview that Aiden Duarte did talking about Hankins was they had him do a lot of simplistic stuff in the first game, and I think as he gets more uh, comfortable in the scheme, you're going to see him do a lot more complicated stuff where he's playing a gap and a half techniques, or he's playing two gap techniques more consistently. These techniques that help 
the math equation on defense better so that you can allocate more resources toward defending runs or defending passes to places where that team's going to attack. Like Kyle mentioned before, we've been getting gashed on the edges. So maybe now that you have Jonathan Hankins, instead of, you know, stacking the uh, off ball linebackers more inside, because you're really worried about those defensive tackles being able to hold those interior run gaps. Maybe now that you have Jonathan Hankins, you're a little bit more comfortable there so that you can line Leighton Van Der Esch, maybe, a gap wider than you normally would and that allow that gives him the extra tenth of a second he needs to get to those edge runs to make that something that is a little bit more solidified I think those are the little tiny things that he can help improve the run defense that maybe when you look at him and his you know box score impact it's not going to be that impressive but the little things that it helps with the rest of the defense could have a cumulative impact that is very large I would think yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm super excited about this trade because I really think that sometimes the Cowboys, they're just really close in the sense of like, if you look at the how, the, the defense, like on a, during a given play, it's like they're just close to like, if they would have just had someone closing this gap, you know, they, and I feel like he could be that missing piece that just kind of makes everything else fall into place. I mean, they got so much talent on defense and now they got, they've addressed one of their weakest spots. So, I mean, I mean, Hankins is, a, is an elite run stopper. I mean, he has been, and I still think he's a, a strong run stopper. So I'm really excited about it. So that's, that's a great question. Uh, John, what do you got for us? So I think the uh, most interesting question uh, facing the Cowboys moving toward the rest of the season is what is the offensive line going to look like when Tyron Smith returns? You know, how, how is that going to, how is that going to figure out? Because you would think that when, if Tyron Smith was coming back, they know he's going to come back. They're confident he's going to come back and they're going to insert him back at left tackle because he's one of the top five tackles in the NFL when he's healthy. Um, You would think if they knew that, then why not have Tyler Smith be playing guard right now with Jason Peters being left tackle? Because you're definitely going to slide. I would guess some Tyler Smith down the left guard. You're not going to make him a backup now when Tyron Smith's back. So I'm just really interested to hear your guys' thoughts on what is the specifically, I guess, that left side of the offensive line going to look like when Tyron Smith returns. Ooh, I'll get this. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. Go ahead. No, 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 no. no. You go first. I'll let you hit it first because I love that question. I think it's really complex whenever things get back. Yeah, yeah. I mean basically that but I I think you start with looking at what your weakest point of your O-line is at that point and then you move accordingly so um, I think where things stand right now where's your weakest point right is it center is it right guard is it right to add like you have to you have to go on what your weakest point is when he's able to come back I don't think you're able to make that decision right now but you're not going to let Tyron Smith sit out. You're not going to let a future Hall of Famer sit out. I, I think more than likely, you know, the case scenario is Tyler Smith goes back to that guard position. I, I really, I see him, I, I see him being versatile and flexible. I, I don't think that uh, it's out of the question. And I don't know. I think you have to see the, I don't know, the place your O-line is at, at that point in time to make that decision I don't think right now where it stands it's going to look anything you know relatively the same to when it will you know around the time that Tyrone's supposed to make his return so I I think it stays I think you you want to keep it as similar as possible because there's two ways you can think about it there's one where you you bring him back like you said you're not going to let uh uh 
Hall of Fame tackle sit on the sidelines. So you just put him back in at left tackle and Tyler Smith, sorry, bud, but you're now the swing tackle, uh, at least at this point in the season. Uh, or, or you could get real crazy with it. And then you could, you could put Tyler at left tackle or Tyron at left tackle. You put Tyler at right tackle. You could slide Connor McGovern over to center. You could put Tyler Biotish on the bench and then you bring up Jason Peters. He's your left guard. And then you just freaking roll and just have all five of those guys just mauling people down the field. No, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you, you just, it's a clean swap. You put Tyron back in there for as long as you need to. If you want to rotate Tyler, you can. I don't think you're going to have this Madden type of play where you're going to just insert guys wherever you want to and just kind of have them up front. I think you keep it simple and, and roll with the guys that have gotten you to this point already in the season. And who who knows? There may be injuries by that point, too. I mean, you don't necessarily want that to happen, but things could change from now until that point hits until you really feel uh, confident about what you're going to present up front on that offensive line. Yeah. Kyle, I think you I think you totally nailed the the question, which is like, is it is it when do we do it, and and what does the switch look like? But I think yeah. also like the, the sort of massive like Madden switch that you talked about is as you said is it, that's way too much. So I think we're really talking about four players, right? We're talking about four players. We're talking about Jason Peters, Ty, Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, and Connor McGovern. Sure. And so the question then is, when do you want? I, I think I I feel pretty confident that they want their starting five to be Steele, Martin, um, Biotish, Smith, and Smith, right? Rookie Smith, veteran Smith, mm-hmm. uh, at guard and tackle on the left side, respectively. That's their, that's their best five, probably, right? So the question really then becomes, when do you move Tyler Smith to guard? Do you wait till, 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 till Tyron Smith's back, which people have been talking about last couple of days could very well be that December 24th game at home against, against the Eagles. Do you then bring Tyler Smith back inside uh, for the first time against, against the Eagles defensive tackles against Fletcher Cox and um, uh, Hassan, Hassan Ridgeway Ridgeway. Is that right? Did I get that right? I can't remember his name. Um, they, I mean, you know, they're, they're pretty tough inside and, or, or do we want to do something where we try to acclimate the kid to back to, into left guard a little earlier? And can Jason Peters help with that? Uh, is is Tyler Smith at guard and Jason Peters at tackle as effective a combination as Tyler Smith at, at tackle and Connor McGovern at guard. And so like, do you not want to do that because you, there's a drop off if you do that. So I, th- I, I think a part of it is, is a matter of timing. Like, are they just going to wait to make the switch until, until Tyron's back? Or is there a way in which you can help the rookie prepare for the stretch run by moving him to guard early? And can you do that without a significant drop off? Yeah. I don't know the answer, but I, John, what do you think? I want to know what you think. Cause there's no perfect answer, but there might be one at the same time because you're John owning and you're always it's the question though, dude, it's a great, it's the question I would have asked. I mean, I think the option that Rabel just said is the one that is most likely, I think is the best Tyron Smith left tackle, uh, Tyler Smith, left guard, Beata center, um, Zach Martin, right guard, right tackle, Terrence Smith, I think, or Ten Steele, not Terrence Smith. I think that, Honestly, the the possibilities with Tyron and uh, Tyler Smith at left tackle and left guard, you have a potential to be a very, very, very impactful run blocking duo right there. The combination blocks there could be outstanding. And the thing, the best thing about them is they're two guys that are both fleet of foot, so they can hit those reach blocks that are so important on those zone schemes. You've seen 
Uh, that's I, I honestly think it's been one of Tyler Smith's best part of his game is his ability yeah. to quickly shuffle his feet across, reach, seal, and create that uh, cutback opportunity for the running backs. I think that you move that to guard, he can still do it, and it's against slower-footed defensive tackles, against nose tackles. I think he'll be even more successful, and we've already seen how powerful he is for someone who's so young and his ability to generate displacement on contact with his hands, hips, and feet, so... I think when you put that starting five there and then you have Connor McGovern as the guy who could be the swing IOL play everywhere. Jason Peters can play left tackle really well. He can be inserted at right tackle if you really need him to be. I think the offensive line is goes from right now. I think something that's, I wouldn't call it a big issue, but it's something that's not propelling them to success, especially in the pass protection department. But when you get those five, the two Smiths, Biotish, Martin and Steele that is a very formidable five that maybe it's not on the Philadelphia Eagles as level as a top five but I think it's definitely in that upper echelon of that top 10 in the NFL and the guys that can make serious impacts in a game and not only as run blockers but in pass protection as well well put I like it so then that so then John the question is when when do you do that do you wait until until number 77 is all the way back and make the switch do you do anything to acclimate your rookie no, oh, perfect. I mean, now I'm on the I'm on the train that I would put Jason Peters at left tackle now now because I think like that's after the you use move. the break to make that move. Yeah, exactly. I'd make the move now. Put him at I left like tackle. That. Put move Tyler Smith back to left guard so that he can get more experience there because it is different than left tackle. The mm-hmm. spacing is different. You're facing guys that are the pass protection is a lot quicker hitting there. You're using a lot more of your anchor, whereas on at tackle you're using a lot more of your fleet of foot your athleticism your in space blocking type of thing so it's going to take some time to get reacclimated to that but i think the fact that he spent his whole entire offseason at guard i think it'll be quick and we already saw the fact that he spent basically his entire training camp at guard and then got moved out to left tackle so quickly and he survived out there so he's someone who can acclimate to different situations pretty quickly so i would do it now get him the what a month before mm-hmm. Tyron uh, Smith is supposed to be back, get him that, and then we'll be cooking with grease once Tyron Smith is back. Nice, nice. And I, I'll, I'll leave I'll leave our listeners and 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 our panel with with one image here as we wrap up, which is uh, give me two tight ends on that. Make the left side the strong side, uh, or a tight end and uh, Noah Brown. Have them blocked down, and give me those two guys pinning and pulling. Right. Give me a little pitch. Give me a little pitch to Pollard with those two guys in front. And I'm, I like I'm happy. Oh, I'm sir. happy. Let's make Nirvana happen. right there. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, thanks to every one of you for coming on. I really appreciate you all sharing your knowledge. Before we go, just let the people out there know where they can find your fine, fine work and what you got in store. What's uh, what's the project you're working on? Uh, follow yeah, me. Yes. On yeah, John, on go ahead. J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G. Uh, make sure you guys go to Pro Football Focus pff.com click on all the fantasy articles specifically tell them john sent you and stop hating on pff so much yes sir get after him john i'm not gonna lie to you i'm gonna interject here and i'm gonna say john has been one of my favorite follows since i took this job since i got with the cowboys i'm not even lying i'm not saying that just because he's standing right here i would talk just as good about him behind his back as i would to him on camera so I, I, if you don't follow John owning on Twitter, which if, if you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, I mean, you're, you're probably going to be already following him, but do it anyways, put on the notifications. I have mine on for his. So uh, definitely he's a great follow. You can say the same thing for Jess too. 
Uh, th these two are phenomenal and they're, they're rising stars in the business. Keep, keep your eyes on these two for sure. The check is in the mail, Kyle. <laughs> I, know. I need it. I'm not going to lie. Kyle, yes, where did what do you got going? What you, Jess, what oh, do you got going? He just, he I just talked to you I was handing it back to Kyle because he didn't even tell the people where to follow him. Fair enough. What do you got? What do you got cooking, Kyle? What are you working on? So uh, you can follow me at Kyle underscore Yeomans on Twitter, Y-O-U-M-A-N-S. And then uh, on Talking Cowboys uh, draft show during the, uh, during the off season. And then, uh, I mean, I'm all over the place in terms of freelance stuff too. do a little ESPN work on the side. And then, uh, man, we, we have a lot of fun on, on special edition, pregame, postgame. Uh, it, it's a, a blast. And I'm, I'm just blessed to be in this situation and work with great people like you guys. And he'll be sharing the, uh, the booth with Dak Prescott in 15 years on, on <laughs> NFL Sundays. That would be a good broadcaster. I like that idea. Yeah. You, you yeah. as a play-by-play -play, him, him as the color man. I mean, Cowboy, I like Cowboy quarterbacks. There's, there's a, there's a direct route right to the booth. We know, we know, what's, we know what's up. Jess. I'm going to ride his coattails. Tell the, tell the people what you got cooking. Hi. Okay. So um, I'm kind of all over the place, but uh, with blogging the boys, I do Dallas Cowboys daily every day, except for this week. Uh, RJ was so sweet to give me a week off. Uh, given there's not really any news to talk about. So that's partially why, um, but I do that. And then of course I am on with Brandon Laurie on the writer's block every Tuesday. You can hear that we have a great lineup of guests throughout the rest of the season. So something to tease for uh, there. And then with the Dallas Cowboys, of course I, uh, I host on Mondays, but I'm on Monday through Thursday for girls talk boys talk. That's the all female podcast with the Dallas Cowboys, the only one right now. And uh, I have an array of amazing co-hosts, Jane Slater, Haley Sutton, Aisha Morrison, Christy Sales comes on every Monday as well. And it has just been so amazing to have such an empowering girl group to really maneuver this uh, chapter with in my life because they are all incredible. So if anything, don't go follow me. Go follow all of them. They're so incredible. And I'm just so excited to work with them more and more. Um, but if you want to follow me, it's Jess Navarre's underscore on Twitter. I'm probably posting about the Cowboys, Taylor Swift, or my dog. So exciting. Very nice. Thanks again to all of you. It's been great. We really appreciate you coming on. Yes. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, congrats on your uh, engagement, Kyle. So in the new chapter in your life too, Thanks, but man. So cool to have all-star cast with you with uh, joining us today. So thank you very much, guys. Welcome to Appreciate the sacred you. order of the husband, Kyle. We'll, we'll, we'll teach you the secret handshake soon. Deal. I can't wait. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. That is our show for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging and Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, matchups you're looking forward to, or what, are, what burning questions do you have, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFanum24. Rebs is at Rebel Rouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. -E and don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the world's team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver blue. And we will catch you later.
Stop pretending to take notes and looking at only fans on your laptops in class, children. <laughs>